Welcome to the F the Glitter podcast, the podcast that is centered around highlighting women of color in the world of graphic design, brand design, and marketing strategy. I am your host, Ashley of Aloise Creative, and I have the honor today of having Miss Kelly Kelly as a guest with it. Did you do that on purpose? Kelly Kelly, like, is that your name? Or no, is that and your, don't, that's and your don't mention thing? it in front of my husband. <laughs> he will tell you that he made me famous. Okay. Um, it was happenstance. Yes. Okay. Got it. So, <laughs> Kelly is the owner of the Brand Method Media Group in Atlanta, Georgia. They specialize in digital marketing strategy, web design, and content development and management. So not only do they help you put the content together, but they help you use it so that yes. you don't just have this beautiful graphic <laughs> that you don't know what to do with. Like, actually, mm-hmm. like, okay, so now you need to post it this time, this time, this time, and put it on these platforms so people can see it. So, Kelly, tell us about how awesome you are and how the brand method came to be. So I am a communications professional for, gosh, a little over 12 years. I started in traditional public relations for Faded Glory, the Walmart brand in New York. Hmm. I did not know at the time public relations was a job. This is 2003. Okay. So, you know, again, pre-social media, pre-reality TV to highlight these kind of glossy jobs for girls Mm -hmm. um, or women. And I fell into public relations, discovered that I loved it. When I left New York and moved back to Atlanta, I thought I would try my hand at entrepreneurship and, of course, do something that I knew. So I started my own public relations company. Right around that time, Facebook was picking up more traction outside of students. And I had my eye on it. I didn't really make the connection between how Facebook could support businesses. A couple years later, Twitter is kind of picking up and I'm seeing how this can help support a business and, you know, beyond just something that we all like to do in our spare time. And it was like a light bulb went off and I was like, oh my gosh, like digital marketing is to me what I think people expect from public relations. Mm-hmm. And I like that you could measure it. Mm-hmm. I never liked the part about PR where I could not pinpoint and like pull a report and it be accurate you telling me how many magazines are circulating and based off that you're estimating eyeballs and all that. I didn't like that. Mm. The accuracy of the analytics of digital is really what hooked me. Um, so I restructured my whole company into a digital marketing business okay. Then I got pregnant and I had very bad pre and postpartum oh, no. and I lost my business, pretty much lost my mind, ended up back at a nine to five Mm-hmm. And I had decided when I went back to a job, I was like, you know, I'm giving up this entrepreneur thing. Like I'm done. I'm just going to sit in this cubicle and like just do my work. And like you about can't. 90 days in, I was like, oh, nah, this is you can't. not going to work. It's a so itch. I decided, you know, I was like, this is not going to work. <laughs> but I needed a plan because I'm not by myself anymore. I have a husband. I have a kid. Like I, I have to be more responsible. And mm-hmm. I said to myself, I'm going to find a mentor. I don't know where you find a mentor at this stage in life, but I'm going to find one. I found one. I told her everything, my journey, what I wanted to do. Can you help me figure out a plan how to get back? And she said, you need to apply for this incubator, the Women's Entrepreneur Initiative. They've only had one cohort. This is the second one coming up. You need to apply. And I applied and I got in. 
and I left my job and decided to strike back out as full time. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So two years, yeah, two years from that time. Awesome. Awesome. So I love the fact that you said that you, you started off on your own and it worked and then you started your, I guess the, the more domesticated part of life, you know, you got Mm -hmm. married, you had a baby. And then, you know, after that, having a baby, having a baby changes a lot. Everything. A lot of people think, oh yeah, I'm a woman's activist and I'm all for, you know, women's rights and, you know, power to the woman. And they'd be like, yeah, but what about power to the mama? They're like, what you mean? It's like having a kid changes everything. Everything. Like, you'd be like, oh yeah, I can work during this and I can do this Uh and the baby will take a nap and just when you sit down, the baby wake up. You'd be like, what kind of weird radar is this? Listen, before I had a kid, my husband and I were visiting a couple friend of ours. They had just had a new baby. I Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a lot of experience with like babies anyway. Uh And we were at their house and she was rocking a baby and it was probably about nine o'clock at night. So I said naively, I said, well, what time does she go to sleep? This is a brand new baby. She said, well, she she feeds every two at right. <laughs> she said, well, she feeds every two hours. And I said, yeah, I know. But what time does she go to sleep at nighttime? And she was like, no, it's every two hours. Yeah. I said, around the clock. Yes. She was like, yeah. I had no clue. I didn't, I, I didn't know. And that was probably, I, I hadn't had my kid yet, but that was like an eye opener for me because all that time I was like, Okay, yeah, I know babies are a lot, but like I assume they went to bed at night, like (laughs) (laughs) she was like, No, honey, two every two hours, 24 hours a day. I was like, Oh my god, yeah, that's real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, what are your favorite type of projects that you like to work on? Like, what are your favorite type of clients that come in or like really get you pumping and you get excited? Like, yes, let's do it. I think for me, my favorite type of client is a client who trusts my expertise Mm. um, and respects the business of marketing and digital marketing. Mm. And I say that because when it comes to particularly digital, Mm -hmm. there is this sort of, you know, dismissive nature that some C-level executives will have, Mm -hmm. mainly because everyone was introduced to social media platforms through young people. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was a, a leisure thing you did. It was something young people did. And it's very hard for especially older people in C-level positions that make the decisions to see the value in this. So I really love working with people who respect what we do, but mm-hmm. then also who are open to ideas because it's so like the possibilities are endless. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it, to me, it's like a, just like a big open field, you know, between all the different platforms. I get excited when new changes, like updates happen, you know, because to me, it's a new opportunity. New platforms come on the scene. I think it's great, but we have to be allowed to explore that. It cannot just be this sort of rigid, you know, yeah, like I, I'm not interested in that at all. Gotcha. So how do you feel about all the algorithm changes? Like, is that something that kind of like, oh, yeah, cool, let's figure this out? Or is it like, oh, God, another one? Like, how does... It depends. I mean, you know, at this point, I'm at a, I think I'm at a point mentally where I'm like, I know they're going to happen. I think mm-hmm. when it first started, people... I don't know, they assume like one algorithm would happen and they wouldn't have to worry about it. Now mm-hmm. we all kind of know it's coming. So mm-hmm. it ain't even no reason to get upset or irritated. You right. just have to be fluid and you have to know how to pivot, especially if you're in this as a business. Mm-hmm. You can't whether you're a personal brand, an influencer, whatever it is, you gotta know how to pivot and you gotta know how to keep your eyes on the analytics and make it work for you. 
Gotcha. So would you say that you're a marketer first, designer second, or a designer first, and then you picked up marketing? Definitely marketer first. Okay. Marketer first. I like the creative aspect of some design projects, Mm -hmm. but as the business kind of, as I'm learning more about business, I'm finding I'm doing less of what I got into this for and more management leadership, like Mm -hmm. putting the right people in place to do the best job. So, and I used to hear people, very successful business people say that. I'm like, well, I just want to, I just want to do social media for my client. I just want to, and then it was like, you get to a point where it's like, you need to be delegating and putting people in those spots to do it, not spending your time doing it, literally doing it. Uh, Cause social media, social media management, social media marketing, that's like a full job. It is a full like, job. I think a lot of people misunderstand like how much it costs for a social media marketer simply because you're on the platform all day. You're on the platform all, all day. Again, because in, I, I'm still hearing this from certain people, not as much as, as, you know, a year ago, but I'm still hearing from people, oh, I have our secretary does that for us. And it's like, you know, when she has time, there's right. no real management in terms of analytics. No one's tracking any sort of conversions. Mm-hmm. She's just posting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, of course you don't think social media works because you're not doing it right. Right, right. So what would you say would, was the most important step for you when you started out the second time? Because like for me, I started out, I was, I've been doing graphic design since I was like 16. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to college. I didn't even go to school for graphic design. I went to school for, to school for uh, psychology because I was like, I'm going to be a counselor and you know all this stuff. And then I got to grad school. I was like, I don't want to do this another day in my life. And so <laughs> I'm good on this. <laughs> if I had to write another paper, I'm I'm done. And so I was 25 when I was like, you know what? I had you know what? I had a freelance client. I was working my day job, but I was still doing graphic design. So I, I went on a, a client meeting with this this customer I had, he was like this big wig, big money, you know, customer. I don't know how I landed this guy, but I was like, yes. And so he took me to this meeting in this building in Buckhead and we went to the top level and there was like this executive suite restaurant where people wore like white jackets and I'm the only black person in there sitting at a table because all the black people were like, you know, serving. Oh, was it the Buckhead Club? Maybe Maybe that's what it was. And that's terrible that you know exactly what I'm talking about when I said that. (laughs) (laughs) I was the only black person sitting at the table. Everybody else Mm -hmm. was serving or whatever. And I was like, this is my life. I'm gonna <laughs> this do this. I put in my two weeks notice that day and I lasted about what? six months. And I was like, yeah, because I wasn't ready. Like I thought I knew yeah. what I was gonna do, uh-huh. but I wasn't ready. And so like when you did it the first time, you had a plan, you had an idea, you knew what to do. But then when you went back, you realized it was like, okay, I gotta do something different. So like what was the most what would you say was the most important step that you took when you did it the second time that like helped you be successful? learning how to run a business, specifically financials, learning how to, I I knew how to manage what was going out and what was coming in. Cause that's basic, right? We do that for our households. We know this much money and this is how much the bills are every month, Mm -hmm. but sales projections and learning how to price my time and, you know, really just get the numbers together to say, okay, I know how to do this, but is it worth it for me to do this? Can I find somebody that I can pay X amount of dollars to do it? 
yeah, it's, it's an admin thing. And then I'm freed up to go get more business. Does that make more sense than me sitting here doing these social media captions? Probably. Or putting to, or doing lead generation or whatever is going to keep the business going. I just learn how to divide up my time in a better way that mm-hmm. could grow the business, not trade money for time. Like, like all the time, like that was not, that's not sustainable for my goals. I mean, you know, some people want to be freelancers and I understand that, but that was not the goal that I had. And I'm still learning. Like I'm currently in a a, a women's leadership sort of course through eCornell and Bank of America. And it's online, you know, it's probably about six hours a week. And that's been helpful. I'm always learning all the time and learning more about sales. I used to be like most people very scared of sales Uh because it always kind of came off as sleazy or uncomfortable. But then I remembered a job I had back in college down in Tallahassee and I was Mm -hmm. working at the Sprint PCS call center. And once they started making us lie about people's, if they switched to our service, they would get free long distance. So we had these sales quotas and I was like, no, I I don't feel comfortable with that. Like that's a lie. That doesn't make sense. Um, I realized that I'm, I'm fine to sell because we're always selling as long as I'm passionate and authentic about what I'm doing. So I had to separate that sort of preconditioning that all sales was gross and you're trying to get over on people Mm -hmm. and all that type of stuff. And just understand I have a product. I need to pick my, you know, pick prospects that I think are a good fit. Mm -hmm. You're not going to sell everybody. So, you know, those are probably the two biggest lessons I learned that have helped me to be better in it. Cool. How would you describe your style, like your design style and your marketing style? Like how would you? My design style is definitely more, I would say creative fun. Mm -hmm. I don't like very stodgy. So again, this goes back to the people that I even choose to work with. If you want some corporate, slick, glossy, IBM-esque, 1990 type stuff, I'm not interested. (laughs) Like, I'm not interested. I'm going to be bored. I'm not going to be able to to get the creative direction I need. Like, it's not going to be a good look. If you want something that is kind of that middle of the road, that still has creative flair, I'm excited by that. And that's when I can give my best work. Mm-hmm. So same, like when you see these campaigns that come out, I'm drawn to a little bit of a provocative stance mm-hmm. kind of in your face. I'm not really drawn to your standard run at a mill. Here's how you sell corn. Here's, here's how you sell, <laughs> like, get me excited. What's, what's going to be cool and attention grabbing and, right. you know, still get the message right. Right. Gotcha. So how has business been for you since March? Like we've been on punishment since March 16th. So like, <laughs> how's yeah, business been? I mean, it's actually been better. And I think it's the nature of what I do, digital marketing. So mm-hmm. we just do touch points online, pretty mm-hmm. much. That's all it is. It's, it's marketing on the internet. Mm-hmm. Marketing is creating touch points. We do that online. So, you know, one of our clients, they relied heavily on very traditional marketing tactics, in-person events, these mm-hmm. type of things, all that swiped off the table. So luckily the person in charge over there was like, yeah, we, we got to pivot. Let's get these video mm-hmm. podcasts pumped up. <laughs> yes, yes, Let's yes. get in front of people. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. how else, how else when the quarantine happened, how else are you getting in front of people? 
You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's not really another way to do it. Right. So that was awesome. You know, we did have kind of reaching out, doing some cold outreach. A couple of people were like, we're not even thinking about this right now. I'm like, you're probably not thinking about it. I'm sure the, the owner of your business is, but you right. might not be. So, you know, it was a fine line. I'm a part of a couple of marketing and Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. And when everything first started, it was really like a like a line in the sand. You had some people that were like, how can you even be talking about business? Yes. And then you had people that were like, okay, people still need this. Like right. how else do I get it in front of them mm-hmm. if we're not doing marketing? Right. So, you know, it was what it was. Cool. And you know, that was like a really popular word for like six weeks was pivot, 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 pivot. You got to pivot. And I was like, what? And it was like, you know, the thing, well, all of us are thinking pivot. You got to switch directions. We was going you this do. way. But obviously we can't go this way. We got to go this way now, but we can still get over there. We, you we can just still go. get there. I saw two, probably the best representation I saw. You might've seen the post if we're in the same groups, but it was, they were not on the same comment, but I seen one hairstylist probably by the end of April who got, I guess she was like tapped out on hearing about pivot. And she did this post and she was like, I don't want to pivot. I don't want to do digital anything. I'm a, I work with my hands. I want to be in my salon. I saw a very different hairstylist who said, honey, I'm closing out April with the most money I've ever made because mm-hmm. at the top of April, I opened an e-commerce store. I started selling kits for people my clients to do their hair at home. Yep. Like it, it could not have been Anymore more clear. opposite. And I was like, yep. you got two different mentalities right now. Yep. You know what I'm saying? The other hairstylist could have been like, I don't, you know, how if I'm a hairstylist, okay, what maybe I, I do have these products, but I don't want to seem pushy. I don't want to seem salesy. Mm-hmm. Women still want their hair done. So if I got the email, I wouldn't have been offended from my, from my hairstylist. You know what right. I mean? So it, it, it was just really interesting to see those two different mentalities play out from the same industry. Yeah. And it was a lot of that. It was a whole oh, yeah. lot of that too. Like um, one of my clients, she's a massage therapist, but she also is an esthetician. And mm-hmm. she's like, what am I going to do? And I was like, do you have any products that you can sell or can you sell facial kits? And she was like, what? And I was like, what are the products that you use? Do you have any special formulations that you can, you know, sell? I said, cause people still want good skin. They just in the house with their good skin mm-hmm. and they still taking pictures and they still want to have that glow. I said, just sell the kits. And she was like, I don't know. And I said, yo, you better get on it. <laughs> it took her a good few weeks. And then I saw her starting to do, Instagram stories. Yep. And she never wanted to be on camera. She started doing oh, Instagram yeah. story, And I was like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And I've seen so many of the service businesses flourish because now they're not afraid to be in front of the camera. They're not afraid to talk to folks. It's like, you know, before it's like, well, I'll just sell my services because, you know, I'm the best. So I'm just mm-hmm. great. And it's like, well, people can't find you now. Like, Mm-mm. they can't just walk past the shop. Like, you have nope. to, you got to make them like you. You got to make them feel something. Like, but, you know, I think it's, I think it's also partly a mentality. You either going to survive mm-hmm. or you're going to maybe be stagnant. And, you know, it, it was very stressful pandemic. I mean, anything is stressful, but to me over the years, when I've seen things happen, like when the government um, shut down, was that last spring? Yeah. Uh, and those two women's started uh-huh. the cheesecake business. Uh-huh. Cause what you going to do? do? 
you just gonna sit there and not get no money or try like you can't not try that's my biggest thing it may or may not work out but you cannot sit there and you have to eat you have to pay your bill and not try something that's crazy to me yeah because it's one of those things is like you the like bill company don't care that you furloughed <laughs> you know what I, and we, uh, we all have financial responsibilities every right. 30 days everybody's got to pay somebody every 30 days something right it makes yep. some of us have less bills than others but we all as adults have to pay somebody every 30 days how mm-hmm. do you sit there and you don't explore whatever skill sets you have them mm-hmm. ladies probably wasn't thinking about making no cheesecake before <laughs> <laughs> they had good government jobs right. steady checks but what guess what? Ever. After that second check didn't come, they was like, okay, now wait a minute. We now we can't, we, can't, we can't just see. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta do something. Gotta do something. <laughs> so what would you say helped you hone in on your niche? I think it was a combination of, because there's a lot of aspects to digital marketing. Mm-hmm. It was a combination of what I found interesting. Like we don't do SEO. There are okay. whole agencies that that's all they do. Right. And once I realized in this in this industry, you could partner with other agencies to fill in the gaps that you don't have. I was like, there's no reason to be trying to stretch and reach and much. do things that you don't really want to do or have the capability and the skill set mm-hmm. or want to manage bringing on people that do that. Just partner with an agency, mm-hmm. get some partnerships going because we do that too. a branding agency. All they do is branding. Mm-hmm. But a natural occurrence, like we talked about, once the branding is done, the client is kind of like, okay, well, now what? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we don't do none of it now what? So let's talk <laughs> to some people that do it. You know what right. I mean? So, you know, the same for us. The, the website design and the pro- podcast production are usually entry-level services that once those projects are done, they're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, how do I market the website? How do I optimize the website? How do I track? You know, what is the website doing anything? Right. And that's where we can come in and either do strategy or content. Gotcha. Okay. So what advice would you give to other women who want to enter this particular industry of digital marketing? My my best advice would be to acquire skills that align, that, that get as close to possible to the sales part of it. So Mm -hmm. always marketing and sales have kind of operated on two separate spectrums and they didn't really communicate. When digital came on the scene, you kind of had that in the middle. It's like, okay, well, I want this Facebook activity and Instagram activity to convert to sales. Mm -hmm. If you can get that type of mentality and figure out how to measure the impact that you're having. Now, that may not always be a conversion. That might be how many leads did this generate? Mm-hmm. How many leads were we able to hand off to the sales team? Maybe mm-hmm. you're not going to close. If you're a B2B, you're probably not going to close on Instagram all the time, right? right? <laughs> or Facebook or even LinkedIn. Right. There has to be a handoff to the salespeople. If, if any communications professionals today can get in the mindset of, I'm not just making cool creatives. Mm-hmm. I have to measure this and be able to say what the impact was, whatever right. that is. Okay. So for someone who's looking for a professional with your specific skill set, what are some things that they should look for? Some things they should ask about when vetting a professional that has your specific skill set when they're shopping around for a digital mm-hmm. marketer? I think testimonials are good, of course. I think any sort of portfolio work, which is easier for your website and your podcast production, right? Because these are, they can come very packaged and you can see. Mm -hmm. 
social media or any sort of content might be a little more difficult, Mm -hmm. but you should be able to pull numbers. So we try to keep track of any conversions or metrics that we can quantify for each client that we do. That's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. So if somebody asks, okay, you work with Money Thumb, what's been the impact? Well, we've generated this much traffic from social media to the site. Mm Because you can track it, right? I know from Facebook, this many people came. Mm -hmm. If they bought something from that, I can see that as well. Right. So it is on us. And I think, again, to the professionals, you got to take that ownership and start quantifying you know, so that when somebody say, okay, why you, you got mm-hmm. something to show. Like, cause it I know what I'm just talking be, about. Right. Yeah. It can't <laughs> just be a screenshot of a social media post. Like right. that doesn't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have gotten past all the formal questions and all that. <laughs> we know about the business and the brand. The business <laughs> so now we get to know who you are. Because my, my yeah. goal for F the Glitter is to kind of become a, a resource or a source rather um, for people to find professionals, vetted professionals for those particular services, for graphic designers, for marketing strategists, for digital marketers, because there is no like source for us, you know, like there, there's plenty of sources of young white guys, you know, in Europe and mm-hmm. Australia and Africa, you know, there's plenty of people who don't have families, but there's no, there's no source of us. And so I do know that sure. uh, people spend money with folks that they feel connected to and that they kind of feel like mm-hmm. they know, you know, and a lot of times I tell a lot of my clients is being a personal brand is learning the art of letting people feel like they know you without really knowing you. And so they feel emotionally connected to you. Mm-hmm. So they'll spend money with you because they'll be vested in your success. So I'm going to ask you some questions about you so that they can get to know a little bit about you. Okay. So they'll be like, oh, yes, I need Kelly Kelly, Miss KK. Okay. Yes, I need her. Are you okay with that? Because I know some people don't like <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm going to call you no, that again. Fine. I just want to throw that out. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite <laughs> style of food? I'm a foodie. And so, like, that's kind of like my first question of everything. Like, what do you like to eat? My favorite style of food is probably Colombian. Really? Okay, that's different. What's the dish? I got to try it. I should know how to say it, and I don't. It's a. It's basically a fried fish dish with... Um, uh, like a salad and uh, plantains, the sweet ones. Okay. Um, and then they make this, or they have this fresh squeezed mango juice that I really like. That sounds good. Um, and I don't share this food. So <laughs> <laughs> my husband and I used to go to this restaurant quite often before we had a family. Uh-huh. And once we had our daughter, it kind of became a Mother's Day tradition. But I tell them every time I'm not sharing it. So she needs to order something else because <laughs> I'm not sharing my food. <laughs> right. So what would you say is like the one project you had that you were like, yes, we did that. That was that was it right there. That's mine. That's got my name all on it. Like, I need that was me. I did that. So was one project. So it was a it was not a current like it wasn't anything digital marketing, but the project was for a football NFL player mm-hmm. who was coming to Atlanta to um, he had a passion for art and he wanted to start this program at um, a museum here. Mm-hmm. And I had two days to get interviews lined up radio station, wow. magazine. And when I pulled that off, I was like, 
okay, that's me. <laughs> like, cause I, I, I didn't think it would work. Like I, you know, it was the first time I had such a tight deadline, but I was able to pull it off. And I was, I was pretty proud of that. I, I like that. Like, you know, you always had that one thing. You're like, yes. And I, and I have to draw on that when I start feeling <laughs> incapable or unsure. I'm like, girl, you, you got this. You, you can get it done. Yeah. Come you on. got this. So when you get a chance to relax, what do you love to do? <laughs> um, now that's a problem. You got to think that hard. <laughs> Listen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, a real grind season right now. You know, that first year out. So 2018 was, I left the job the end, like January 24th of 2018 was my last day mm-hmm. and the incubator started. 2018, I did not do anything social, any lunches with friends. I didn't do anything that I didn't think would help the business. And that was just the season for that. When that year ended, I was like, okay, I got to loosen up a little bit. And like, and so then I started doing a little more, but that's just kind of how I paced myself to stay after my goals. Like I got to be hyper-focused right now because I don't want to work like this forever. Mm -hmm. I want a a a point in time where I'm on chill mode the majority of the time and working less. So right now it's not a whole lot of free time, especially with the, my daughter, she's four, but you know, if I get a minute, I enjoy listening to podcasts. I've just gotten into a podcast about the Sopranos and I listen to it when I'm at the grocery store and it's, I don't know why I'm so entertained, (laughs) but I am. Um, they, each episode talks about an episode from the show and I love it like when I go to the grocery store I put my earbuds in and I'm listening to them talk about the Sopranos <laughs> so and I enjoy it quite a bit I don't know why so did you watch the show like were you into the series not when it first came out okay. I binged it like right when quarantine first started oh so you're just getting into the Sopranos yeah like i picked up some episodes here and there back when I was in college mm-hmm. but I wasn't into it mm-hmm. like I couldn't get into the I couldn't get into it, but I binged it right when quarantine happened. Uh, and it was a lot. I, I, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> anyone. <laughs> it was a lot. So do you partake in spirits and libations? Oh yeah. I'm a tequila girl. Oh, I say, what's your cocktail of choice? Uh-huh. I'm a tequila girl. Um, I like tequila with fresh squeezed lime. So I'm a former bartender. I bartended all through my 20s. Okay. So I had to learn how to take shots because most places you can't sit as a bartender. You can't sit there and drink. Right. You can take shots with the staff or with customers. So I got... I got a taste for shooting tequila and I, I started to not like it mixed with juice or anything. So I don't even really like mixed drinks anymore. I'll okay. do like fresh squeezed lime juice, shake it up real good. And that'll be my drink I'll sip on. Cool. I think my husband and I, we, uh, it was a drink. We kind of just threw something together one day. I think it's called a shotgun or something like that. We take the a shotgun. bottle of Cuervo and you, I mean, not Cuervo, you take a Corona. It's funny, Corona. Ooh. Take a, a bottle of Corona, you put a shot of Corvo in there, and you kind of, you know, shake it, and you squeeze the lime in it, and it's really smooth. It's crazy it? smooth, and it's not very sweet. You know, it's, I mean, it's Yeah, I don't like corona, sweet. So it's not sweet. Mm-hmm. But it's really smooth. It's all like, we're drinking. We messed around the first time we drank it. We're like, oh, we can't do that, because, you know, we had, like, two, and it was like, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> that was a little too real. <laughs> <laughs> 
Still gotta watch these kids. Like, I this was before the children. Oh, was it? <laughs> so we don't do too many of those. <laughs> yeah, that's when, hard. When we did it, we were like, we gotta drive after this. Oh yeah, yeah. no. Nah. <laughs> I'm all about I'm all about that home. <laughs> Get rest up at home, so nobody's gotta drive nowhere. Right. Keep the keep the monitor close so you can make sure the baby's still breathing. And let's right. get this started. <laughs> so, uh, what's your other creative outlet? Like when you're in a creative funk and you're kind of just stuck, like what kind of helps you refocus, recenter, and get back into it? So, it's funny you should ask. The thing, and it's gonna sound real boring, the thing that helps me focus is sitting in front of an open window mm-hmm. and just being allowed to stare out. I don't want music on. I don't want the TV on. If I can do that, I can generate so much. It's like my brain activates in a different way, Uh but it only works if I'm staring outside of a window Hmm. and it it will just come to me and I'll start putting pieces together. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be a dope campaign. Like that would be tight, but I need that. And that was one of the things that was really crushing creatively when I had to go back to a nine to five because I was in a cubicle. And so there was no sun. I didn't have any, any, any view to the outside. Not that, you know, and it's an office. You're not going to get a, a corner office with a window mm-hmm. at that type of position. Right. But I needed that in order. I need to be able to see. In order to function. Yeah. In order to, to generate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel that. So like, do you travel? Not so much. Not a lot. I mean, um, we, we plan to, you know, when, of course, when she was really small, we didn't do a whole lot of anything. We had mm-hmm. some more plans this year and next year. We did take her to Los Angeles, where I'm from, um, for her second birthday, which was nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have idea before when I was single, um, took a couple international trips to Paris for my 30th birthday mm-hmm. and to Rome when I was like 25. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have aspirations to travel internationally. I just got to focus on this right now so the places that you've been which one was your favorite Paris what'd you love about Paris I want to know I think it was the architecture Mm -hmm. was very um inviting okay I like the whole vibe of the city I mean I went I went by myself I started off on my 29th birthday and I said I would really love to go to Paris for my 30th Mm -hmm. but I don't you know know who will go with me and I had all these people saying they were going to go and then when it came around nobody was going to go so I found a ticket ticket. and I I found a ticket for $234 round trip leaving out of JFK so all I had to do was get a ticket from Georgia to New York which I found for like $100 I think and from JFK to Paris was 234 round trip you weren't flying spirit, were you? Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I found That's this an anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was meant just for you then. Cause it was. Average price, so even now, a trip to Paris is at least $700 round trip. For one it was person, 234 so. with tax. I wow. found an international hotel, the Concord Hotel, because I was like, I'm not staying in a hostel. I'm traveling by myself. I need right. to be around a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. at a hotel that got something to lose. Should I wind up dead? Mm-hmm. Um, we not, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so I found this hotel that was uh, $99 US dollars a night. 
Wow. A beautiful hotel room, right in the midst of everything. Concierge. They, you know, most people there speak English and language. French. And, yeah, so it was perfect for me. Wow. So like literally you said it and then the universe was like, okay, there you go. You better you find go. it. Yeah. Because right <laughs> I waited. I think I waited to like two weeks out to buy the ticket. Wow. Because I was amazing. like going back and forth. I was scared. I was like, I'm traveling by myself. But something kept saying, you better go. You know, yeah. now's the time to do this. But you know what? There's a benefit to traveling by yourself. Because like, even though it's kind of scary because number one, you're a woman, number two, you're black. And then number three, it's international. So some shit happened. Like nobody really knows until it's too late. But you do what you want. Like you yeah. can really be like, I'm an adult. I do what I want. I'm going over here right now. And I feel like taking a nap later and I'm going to go do it. And there's nobody say, eh, can we do this later? Or, I'm yeah. hungry. I don't feel like walking. Like you just like, yeah. I'm going to track it. You know, and that was because I walked the entire Versailles. It was five hours, and Isn't I walked it beautiful? the whole thing because there was nobody to tell me they were tired or they didn't want to go. Or mm-hmm. I walked the entire thing, Palace. and I loved all three of them—the big one, the the little uh, little jump offs. Ooh, the girl, <laughs> the, the Marie one he gave, <laughs> yep, her little place. I did that. I did the other one. I did all of them, and it was gorgeous. How did you feel about the Hall of Mirrors? I've been, but like, I remember when I was, uh, when I went and they said the Hall of Mirrors, I was like, wow, this is going to be so cool. It's going to be mirrors everywhere. Like, and then it was a ballroom. I was like, (laughs) it was nice. I think I didn't bank on so many people being Uh there because you always see these beautiful pictures that people take and it looks empty. Nothing. Mm -hmm. So you kind of assume like, it was it was way packed, but it was beautiful. And I, I was still getting a little kind of nervous about asking people to take my picture. Mm-hmm. I was solo and I didn't want to draw like, attention to myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember we went, my best friend and I, we went, we were young though. Like we were like 16. We went uh, with her family. We went to Versailles and I remember the whole time we were going, they were like, yo, y'all got to see the Hall of Mirrors. Like, it's amazing. You got to see the Hall of Mirrors. And so she and I were like, the Hall of Mirrors. This, like, this is going to be great. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we got there like, okay. It's a ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but I remember the gardens were so beautiful. 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 Oh gosh. Yes. Uh, virtual girls trip. Right. It was a great, great experience. I'm so glad I decided to go. I I commend you. I commend you. If I wasn't such a punk, I would have went to. But I was so scared because I wanted, like I said, I was going to go to Hawaii for college. I was like, I'm going to be out here. I'm gone. And then time came and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go. You know what's funny? Like when I look back, even my my move into New York was, I didn't know. I knew two people there. I knew Mm -hmm. the guy that I was dating and then a family friend, mm-hmm. and I was 22, mm-hmm. and I couldn't wrap my brain around why my mother was scared. And mind you, I'm also an only child. Now that I'm a mom and I'm older, if I had to think <laughs> about my daughter telling me at 22, mm-hmm. I'm packing up my stuff and I'm gonna move a thousand miles away, and I don't know nobody up there, like, Excuse I would be you? nervous. But back <laughs> then, like, it was just go, go yeah, do. I didn't even think always. about it. That's how it was for me for college. Like, um, I just, I, yeah, I like, know I'm nobody in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> I know nobody in Atlanta. I was still the only person I knew in Atlanta until I got there. Like, my parents. And I didn't even know until I, like, I'm a full adult now. And um, 
me and my mom were just having, you know, this really personal conversation. And she was like, yeah, when I dropped you off at school, I cried the whole way home. Said, mm-hmm. And she was like, I said, you did a real good job of acting because I didn't know. I just know I'm in Atlanta now. I'm at school. I'm free. You hey. don't even be thinking about it. <laughs> and she was like, girl, I was so terrified when I left you there because she was like, I you were so far like from dc to atlanta like you can't just come home like you know, you gotta Mm-mm. plan those kind of things and i was like when i, I when i called my mom um because i got a i've been visiting a boyfriend that lived in new york and every time i would go up there i would like try to meet people make connections do something mm-hmm. like try to move the needle because i wanted to move there so bad mm-hmm. and i got this meeting i ended up leaving there with a job offer because i asked if they were hiring and I remember calling my mom from the lot. Mike, I am ready to jump out of my skin with excitement. Like, I'm like, my dream is coming true. And I called my mom and I was like, I'm moving to New York in two weeks. And she was like, what? Okay. And then I later <laughs> found out that she called my aunt crying and was like, she's leaving in two weeks. Like, it was, it all happened so fast. But again, when you're the kid, you don't, you don't even we'll think about it. You're just it. like, my dream is coming true. Are you serious? Like, this right. is a celebration. Like, hey, like, why aren't you excited? She was like, that's great. Okay. Well, call me later. And I was like, huh? You're not that. You're like, it's just that's all you great. got. Right. <laughs> so but my aunt imagine? told me later she did that. You know. Can you imagine, like, your baby telling you, so, mom, no. I'm moving to Cali. And you're like, wait, no. what? Well, no, I can't. You I can't. <laughs> I cannot. I'm not. I know mine. Oh man, I know they ready. They gonna. They're just they like me and their daddy. They gonna be ready to go. They're like, yeah. So we out. I'm like, what you mean you out? We out. We holla. <laughs> See you Christmas. I'm like, Whoa. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I'm super. I'm. I'm overprotective, like my mother. Like yeah. I don't let. And and the other part is too. When we first had our daughter, we weren't um, that close to where family would live. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I grew up, I ha- had a lot of aunts, a lot of cousins. You was always mm-hmm. spending a night at somebody's house within family. Right. But, you know, we didn't have a whole lot when she was that small. So mm-hmm. she stayed with me. I didn't go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I would call my mother-in-law sometimes because it was such a drive for her to come down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really just me. I didn't. We do not leave her with we nobody. So I know even when she gets grown or older and she be talking about going where I'm going to be like, who is that? I, right. I don't know that person. I got to see. <laughs> where they ID? I need an ID drives record. <laughs> I need to know where they work, who their friends are, what's listen, their social media. I need to check their page because if listen, they say anything crazy, I need to know. That was my mom. She was like, <laughs> oh, you got a date? Where's where's the driver's license? I need yep. you to call in a number. <laughs> like, Ma, you being real extra. I, I could be extra. Call right. in the number. Right. I need to know. Oh, my gosh. It's even worse. My husband's law enforcement. So oh. My girls, they, they got it. It's bad. Oh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be so I went bad. to a, um, we went to a real estate investing seminar over the holidays, and the guy conducting it was a reti- either former or retired L.A., PD. Please, oh Lord. And he was like, Yeah, my kids, I don't, I've seen too much. He was like, They don't go nowhere. nowhere. Um, they want, when they go, when they want to do the sleepover thing, I drive them there. I sit outside when it gets late. They come out and I, we go home. I don't right. let my kids right. go nowhere. He was like, I, I've seen too much. I can't do it. <laughs> right. Like, I cannot relax. Like, it's, it's impossible. So, do you have a business bestie? 
well, I will say that I have a few of the women from the incubator because there were 15 of us mm-hmm. that we definitely still stay in touch and support, share resources, share information, encourage. One of the really cool things about that incubator was that although it was for your business, it did not negate the fact that you were a human being, a wife, a mom, maybe. Mm-hmm. So we would have these monthly community meetings where you could vent. You could say it wasn't like you had to come in there and be this business person without no feelings, without no stress, without, mm-hmm. you know, one mind on your kid or your husband or your house. Like it, it uh, sort of nurtured all of that and it gave you a safe space to say, I'm stressed out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not only business, I don't know. You know, my kid is teething. I haven't slept in three days or like mm-hmm. whatever the thing was. So I'm very grateful for that because most of those type of situations are not like that. Mm-hmm. They're usually boys clubs. So you cannot come in there crying about or you're not going to be made to feel comfortable to come in there and be honest about how you're feeling. Right. In this group, you could. You could be honest. Good. So what's the and, name of that incubator group so everybody can know? Yeah, the Women's Entrepreneur Initiative. They actually just accepted the third cohort, I saw an announcement the other day. Uh, we were the second. They just got the third. And it's a new batch of 15 women entrepreneurs. And it's like a sisterhood. Like you feel comfortable to share the various aspects of being a female entrepreneur because it is a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not to make excuses, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm going to have to make sure I get those details so I can put them in the post with yeah. the podcast episode. So, now we have come to the part of the interview. We have to kind of shut it down. Okay. I enjoy talking to you. <laughs> you I like too. Everything kind of just flowed and we were able to have a conversation. But where can people find you? Like, the whole point of this is so people can find you and spend money with you. So, like, where do they need to find the brand method? How they can so, get in contact yeah, clearly? The- website is brand method and that's b-r-n-d method.com same on all the social media platforms we actually have a video on the website that breaks down uh our six-part framework so to give you an idea of how we work and how anybody could use it to set up their own business it's just a basic framework for setting up a digital strategy okay but yeah contact anything on any of the um forms on that website will get to us or you can email me directly, Kelly, K-E-L-L-I at brandmethod.com. Awesome. So that was Miss Kelly Kelly. I like saying that because it's like, like you're a <laughs> Most talk show do. host. <laughs> like a talk show one host. of my husbands, like, my husband said that one of his coworkers will only say my name like that, both <laughs> first and last. Hey, did you talk to Kelly Kelly? Yeah, I was talking yeah. to her that day. And she said, da, 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 da. did you hear a new episode with Kelly Kelly? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's definitely right. an icebreaker. <laughs> it is. That that's wonderful. It's already built in. It's like it just mm-hmm. it's a package. It's already there. <laughs> so with that, you can find Kelly Kelly at brandmethods.com. That's brand with no A. If you put the A in there, you'll end up somewhere else and you'll be mad. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for just spending this time with us. Thank you for talking to me and having this interview so we can ask the glitter together. <laughs> there it is. I can't wait. I'm season two. I'm calling you, honey. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the F the Glitter podcast. I'm your host, Ashley of A. Louise Creative, 
where we shine the spotlight on women of color in the industry of graphic design, brand design, marketing strategy, and brand strategy. A special thanks to my guests for joining us today, and we'll be here next week for our next episode of F the Glitter. You can find us on your favorite podcast broadcast station, iTunes, Spotify, Google Cast, and others. We look forward to seeing you next week.